Hello and welcome to the Arise and Build podcast. This is Jody Grace and we're here to inspire, educate, and activate believers in Missouri to steward and protect freedom in every area of life, especially here in the heart of America. We're going to be talking about what's happening right here in our culture, how it connects to scripture, and what we can do to bring our conservative Christian values back into the public square. If you haven't already, I'd love for you to go ahead, hit the subscribe button so you can get our updates and join us as we work together, just like Nehemiah and the Israelites did, to arise and build a wall around the great state of Missouri. everyone. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you had a great day. We have lots to talk about today. So I just pray that you've had a wonderful week. The sun has been shining. The weather's been beautiful. I'm just so thankful. There is so much to be thankful for today. I hope that um, if you're not walking in a spirit of thankfulness already that you are by the time this podcast is over because I just think that God has prepared a way. He has given us the things that we need. He is in control. There's a lot going on. Um, but I am super excited to share with you um, just how God has orchestrated some details um, in this ministry and in my life um, and in a way that I believe is going to be a blessing to you and to the people of Missouri. So if you've been listening for very long, if you've heard my testimony about how this ministry began, you know that God um, spoke to me last spring and asked me to gather the believers. And so that's what I've been doing. He was very clear about um, not winning these battles uh, on this government mountain with political strategy, but that we would win only by the spirit, by a strategy from the Holy Spirit. And he instructed me to gather the believers. And so that's really why this ministry was born, to gather the believers. And it's become a really sweet place of ministry and um, service, I believe, to the Missouri grassroots. You know, those of us who have been working at this uh, for a long time, and that's not me, by the way, I'm pretty new to this scene. But there are those um, who have been here a long time and um, it gets weary. And so the ministry has opened up a space within uh, this community for us to gather and pray and really focus on things of the Lord instead of things of, of government. And it's been refreshing to gather together, to pray together at the Capitol and worship at the Capitol, and then um, also gather privately in homes, meet each other uh, more in a personal way, pray with each other and share um, share lives and walk this out together. So it's been really encouraging and uplifting to that group of folks. And we've also been able to uh, reach new people. We've been having discipleship uh, classes on Zoom on Wednesday evenings. I really believe that, you know, as God calls you into whatever he calls you into, maybe he hasn't called you to the government mountain, but some other some other mountain and some other project and area of ministry. Um, I believe that we need to continue as we serve others. We have to continue to walk in the Lord, strengthen ourselves in the Lord and stay true to our own path of sanctification and becoming more Christ-like. So we've offered um, a path for that. We have a community, a private community where we, um, chat back and forth on a daily basis. So we're really growing relationships and 
and encouraging and equipping people across Missouri, across the state. So it's been a wonderful thing. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, um, actually a few months ago, I should probably go back even into the fall, maybe even late summer, there was an event that Lisa and had heard about. It was something to do with Esther's and she really felt pulled that we should go. And we tried, but we just couldn't make it work. I can't remember what happened, but the plans fell through and, and that didn't work out. Uh, anyway, it happened to be that God brought that, uh, that organization around a different way. And when that happened, we, we felt certain, I felt certain that God was orchestrating a connection between um, me and this other ministry, the other, this other ministry, this other movement is called Her Voice. And um, I'm really uh, just getting acquainted with this ministry. It's called Her Voice. It was born out of prayer and fasting, the prayer and fasting of a pastor in Oregon. And really the call uh, began to be with the mothers to rise up and protect our kids. And I know, and you know, that uh, this is why I'm here, because uh, it was just a concern of mine for my children, for for my son's futures. What, what was this going to look like? And I began to pray and ask God, you know, what do you have for me? Where, where do I belong in this? Or do I belong anywhere? What am I supposed to do? And that's when he called me to the Capitol and that's, you know, you know how things have played out there. So this same type of thing was happening with another mom, another minister in Oregon. He was calling her into, into the battle. And, um, so she already had at that time, a developed ministry in Oregon with her husband. And so they've created a movement that has, um, started stirring nationwide. It's called don't mess with our kids. They're just hashtagging it don't mess with our kids and uh, the call is for mothers and fathers for parents for grown-ups across the nation who love their children and want to be in the battle to fight for their children to come together first in prayer and fasting but then also to stand and they are hosting an event it's an awesome event I think it's going to be incredible Actually, they're doing it on the same day in all 50 states at all 50 state capitals on April 13th. It's a Saturday from 1 to 3 p.m. across the state in every state. There will be people gathering at the state capitals to pray and, um, you know, repent, worship, pray for the nation, for our states, for our children. And um, then that will culminate in another larger event in Washington, D.C. on the Capitol Mall in October. But it all starts in April, April 13th. It's a Saturday here in Jefferson City at the State Capitol on the lawn from 1 to 3. So I'm asking you to start talking about it. I'm going to put more information on the blog probably later today. And um, you can get images to share Please invite your friends. Please come uh, grab your vehicle and fill it full of your friends. Tell your pastors, your Sunday school teachers. Um, it's going to be a great time. We'll have some worship. I'll be there. There will be other ministry leaders there. And um, it's going to be a great time in the Lord. And I believe that this is really um, another launching pad to connecting people to 
issues right here in Missouri and equipping believers to actually stand in the gap, uh, teaching people, training people, equipping believers how to um, affect our culture in the government mountain, both at the state level and at your local levels, in your school boards, in your counties, in your cities, and um, protect our kids. So that is has been super exciting. That's been going on uh, this last week or so. In preparation for that April event, we are hosting a weekly prayer call. It's a Zoom prayer call. That information will be um, on the blog as well. Every Thursday evening at 8 o'clock for half an hour, we are going to gather with other believers across the state. We're believing that prayer team, that prayer call will grow and grow from now until April 13th. Um, we're going to come together and pray. Pray that God raises up new warriors for this battle, that he draws the people, um, the, the specific people that he uh, wants to be there and that um, he covers Missouri and the rest of the nation uh, with hedge of protection. And um, it's just going to be great. I'm super excited. So um, I hope that you'll put those couple of things on your calendars. A Thursday night prayer call, 30 minutes long, 8 to 8.30. I'll have the Zoom information on the blog. And then April 13th, one to three. It's a Saturday here in Jefferson City. And as always, if you're planning on coming, I'll have a way for you to connect with me prior to the event. So we can, um, I can give you all the details, any last minute changes, help you figure out where to park, um, all of that type of practical information that you may want. So that's uh, been going on, super exciting. But as far as politics and government uh, here in Jefferson City this week, Really, we've been primarily watching the IP bill, the initiative petition bill, or the ratification bill, whichever way you want to say it. Really, it's a ratification bill, but everybody's calling it IP. And it did pass the Senate uh, yesterday in the late morning. Um, it was a pretty strict party line vote, which is what we expected. And um, so it did pass. Now, there's been some... I know, especially among the grassroots of Missouri, there's been some ripples and wonderings and maybe even a little confusion about what exactly happened. So I just kind of want to recap it for you real quick. Hopefully you've already been paying attention. You know that legislation that I'm talking about, this is the legislation that would protect our constitution and give um, rural areas across Missouri more of a vote or more of a voice um, in the changing of our constitution. Currently, we only need simple major simple majority to change the constitution. That means 50% of the voters plus one vote. And um, unfortunately, the dense populations in Kansas City and St. Louis can control that. So what we um, were asking for is more of a representative, a republic type of process, uh, which is what our government is. We are not a simple democracy, democracy. We are a democratic republic. And that means there's representation from across the geography, from across the span of the miles. Um, this is the delegate process, how we elect our president. Uh, so we believe that the constitution is a founding document that should be broad, it should um, 
be a foundation or a framework. It should not be full of the details. And what it's turned out to be over the years, they've changed the IP process and they've, honestly, they do a lot of legislative petitions as well. Um, they, when they bring a ballot measure to the ballot box in August or April or November, um, and you go and you vote for a ballot measure, when you vote, if that passes, it actually changes our constitution. It doesn't just add new state statute. It changes our constitution. And so over time, our constitution has grown and it has, in, and now it includes details that just really shouldn't be in the constitution at all. Things like recreational marijuana, medical marijuana, um, you know, the clean Missouri came through the IP process. Some of these things, they're not, you know, even if you agree that you want marijuana to be legal, that's fine. It doesn't belong in the Constitution. It should have been in the state statute. And so what happens is people with big money um, have the ability to come in through a process called initiative petition. They pay signature gatherers. And as soon as you gather enough signatures, that measure can go on the ballot before the people. So there's no process of legislation, committees, nobody's vetting it. There's not a lot of, there's not um, educated input from anybody. Uh, there are no hearings to go testify at, nothing like that. It just comes basically off the street. Um, and that does go through the Secretary of State's office and it has to be approved. But once that happens, then we're just, uh, they're just gathering signatures. And as soon as they get enough signatures, it goes on the ballot. And if it passes, and unfortunately, most of our voters aren't as educated as we would hope that they were in regard to uh, ballot issues and ballot measures. And a lot of times because the ballot language is, um, can only be 50, 50 words long, I believe the ballot language isn't clear. And so you don't really even have a full picture of what you're voting on when you go to vote. So what we believe is that, uh, that process, the bar needs to be raised so that our constitution isn't being changed as much. I was actually doing a little research and um, every two years, there are measures on the ballot, and generally something passes. So our Constitution's being changed. I think it was in 2016, we had four or five changes to the Constitution. So every couple of years, our Constitution grows, and really it's just become a path to uh, get around the legislature for the people who have the money to pay for it. So what we're asking is that we want those things to be not only controlled by Kansas City and St. Louis in the urban areas, we want more representation across the rural parts of Missouri. Uh, the values in the rural areas of Missouri are very different. The needs in the rural areas of Missouri are very different than in those urban areas. And so we would like to see a more electoral process in place. That's what the legislation was about, the IP reform. So what it started out as was a bill based on concurrent majority, which is another name for what we're talking about, this representation across the states or across districts. It was based on the concurrent majority ratification of House districts, Missouri's legislative districts, which are the smallest districts. That means that more than 50% of the House districts would have to be in agreement as a whole, each district as a whole would have to be in agreement to pass the measure um, in addition to having a simple majority of the votes. Now we have 163 House districts. This is truly the most pure form of concurrent majority uh, because it really does give representation 
to even the very smallest uh, group of rural Missourians out in the counties. Um, if your small legislative district voted in favor, then, uh, you know, that's just about 30,000 people usually in a legislative district. So that's really the most pure form. That's how the bill started out because we did have, um, or at least it came out of committee that way. When it came out of the committee, if you remember, our Freedom Caucus plus Mike Moon had been filibustering for about 16 hours. They had their parking spots taken, their committee chairs taken. Denny Hoskins, Senator Hoskins, lost a couple of his committee seats altogether. Uh, he is running for Secretary of State against the Senate pro tem, uh, Caleb Rowden. So, you know, how that all plays out. And it was Rowden's option to do that. So... Um, I don't think that you could say that that didn't play a part in the way that Senator Hoskins was punished, but um, at any rate, they lost their committee chairs, they lost committees, they lost parking spaces because uh, the Senate leadership didn't like the strategy they were using to push this bill forward. The bill did end up in committee. And when it came out, it got rolled together with several other similar bills, and it came out with the number SJR 74, and that was carried or sponsored by Senator Mary Elizabeth Coleman. Now, at the time, I didn't know it, but it's my understanding now that the reason that Senator Coleman uh, was chosen to carry that bill, Senator Coleman is not part of the Freedom Caucus she is, um, in my opinion, not the most conservative of the conservative. Um, she's not the most liberal either. She's sort of in the middle somewhere, usually. Um, but we've seen uh, Senator Coleman uh, do some things that, that lead us not to fully, fully trust her motives. But um, at any rate, she was chosen to be the the sponsor and I do believe that she wanted the bill to pass. I believe she wants the bill to pass. She is running for Congress in Missouri in the third district and she's uh, wanting to have she, currently she has the endorsement of Missouri right to life and um, this is a big deal to, to MRL. So MRL wants it to pass. They want it to pass with congressional based on congressional districts and so as that bill was coming out of committee, <clears throat> it was rolled together with uh, bills that belonged to a few other conservatives. And um, it's my understanding now that our Freedom Caucus conservatives and Mike Moon stood in the gap. And during even that process, they were told that one of them would be allowed to carry the bill if they gave up the pro-life language on the Federal Reimbursement Act. And I don't have time here to go into what that is, but at the end of the day, that's the mechanism that sends funds, government monies to Planned Parenthood. And so every year that bill has gets passed and every year the conservatives fight to include pro-life language so that we are not giving government dollars, taxpayer dollars to Planned Parenthood. So it was offered to them that if they wanted to handle the bill, they would need to sit down on the FRA and also the child care tax credits. And we haven't even talked about that yet here. That's something I want to start talking about is the child care tax credits. 
uh, you know, our government has created this childcare crisis. So now they're wanting to deliver tax credits to private daycare centers. Oh, but wait, it's not just free. Of course, it's state money, government money. So there's strings attached. If you take, when these private daycares take those tax credits, now they're going to have to comply with whose rules? The Department of Elementary and Secondary Education's rules. So this is opening the door for DESE to have their hands in our private daycares and childcare centers. They're really, truly reaching down to the cradle. They're reaching for our babies and our toddlers to be um, more controlled, tracked, um, governed, ruled by the state. Now, this makes no sense to me because we all know that Missouri's schools are not in great shape. In fact, um, nine times, nine people that you talk to out of 10 would tell you that they're disappointed in the school systems. We have more schools failing than ever before, more schools not passing tests. Um, our education system is not good here in the state of Missouri, uh, just in general, generally speaking. And so why in the world would you want to give more responsibility and more control to DESE, a, a group of government bureaucrats who want control of our babies and our toddlers and our preschoolers? No, no thank you. So uh, you'll be seeing that uh, come, you'll, we'll be talking about that more, but that, be, that became part of the negotiation over who was going to handle the ratification bill. So our Freedom Caucus was told, listen, if you sit down on the FRA bill, if you sit down on the child care tax credits, we'll let you handle and could be more in control of this ratification bill. And thankfully, our conservatives in the Freedom Caucus, plus Senator Moon, stood up and said, no way, no deal. We're not giving. We're not giving up our children. <laughs> We're not giving money to Planned Parenthood. We're not going to sit down and we're not going to sit down on the issue of our children. Gosh, it's just so frustrating when you think of it. So praise God, God is in control. <laughs> um, and really, that's what keeps uh, that's what keeps me uh, going in, in the midst of all of the crazy. But um, so what we had was that was the deal uh, that and they had to stand up. And I'm, I'm thankful that they did. Uh, so Senator Coleman handled the bill and I do believe she wanted to pass it. I don't think I don't. Um, it's not that I completely trust Senator Coleman, but she does want the MRL endorsement. Um, she wants to stay in their good graces. So I believe that she had personal reason for um, helping it to pass. Now, maybe she has also, you know, that you can run your mind down a lot of different pathways. Maybe, um, Maybe she would make it look like on the front side that she was trying to pass it because she's also taking campaign dollars from, uh, you know, the Real Estate Association or um, other people who don't want for it to pass. I mean, we could say those kind of things, but I don't know. There's no proof of that. I've heard that among, um, you know, people say those types of things, and I just don't have any proof of that. So, um while things like that are always possible, I guess, no, they are, they're always possible that people are doing things on the front side to make it look one way when in fact it's something different. Um, 
I, she, it, it wasn't the worst possible thing that could happen. However, what did happen is that in the process, then the Democrats filibustered. That bill came out onto the floor. The Democrats filibustered for 21 hours. They suffered no repercussions for their filibuster. Um, they filibustered and held things up for 21 hours on the floor. And at the end of that, there were several different substitutes that Senator Coleman had dropped. The first one, excuse me, the first one, removed the House districts and reverted back to congressional districts. Nobody was surprised about that because that's, in fact, what Missouri Right to Life wants. They want congressional districts. I'm not sure why. I haven't seen their data. I feel like that's probably a weaker position. Doesn't make sense to me, but that is what they want. And so that was not a surprise that she would change it back to congressional districts. They did add some what would be called ballot candy and um, in the end that ballot candy got stripped off and I'm not that's fine with me I don't care there were it's not that I disagreed with any of the issues um, it just was extra stuff in there it didn't really need to be there anyway so that's fine the ballot candy came off and um, then at some point in time Senator Coleman dropped another substitute and this part I really don't prefer, and um, I'm, I'm actually in the middle of creating a video. I hope that explains this better. You'll actually be able to see, um, see the history, see the charts, and hopefully understand this if you're interested in learning about it. But um, she removed the legislative process. So our Constitution is ratified or ballot measures get to the ballot in three different ways uh, through the legislative process, through a process called initiative petition. That's what the citizens do. That's how the citizens get around the legislature. And then um, there is every 20 years, there's an opportunity for us to have a convention. We've never done it. It's never happened, but it does exist in the Constitution. So mostly, um, historically, the Constitution has changed most often because of legislative referrals. Now, the initiative petition process, definitely I want the bar raised on that process. But truthfully, the Constitution has changed more due to legislative referrals than initiative petitions. So she removed the legislative referral language. So now, as it stands... Um, this would, uh, if this passes all the way through, like it is right, like it stands right now, and there are no changes to it, we would have concurrent majority ratification, but only if the ballot measure came to be on the ballot through initiative petition. If the ballot measure arrived on the ballot because of legislative referral, then it would still be simple majority vote. And I do not prefer that. I don't believe it should be that way. I believe it should be equal, um, that whatever's good for the goose is good for the gander. And because most of our amendments, that's how they come to, to exist. They come through the legislative process. Historically speaking, we have more legislative referrals than initiative petitions. So I don't prefer the language. I would prefer it to apply to legislative referrals and the initiative petitions. That's not what it does right now. It only applies to the initiative petitions. So the other thing that happened is there was language um, in the bill that would have prohibited non-citizens from voting. Now, this one I do feel strongly about. Uh, 
our Constitution and the argument uh, is that our Constitution already has language that says all citizens can vote. Yes, it does. It says all citizens can vote. Um, and I'm going to link or give you a screenshot of that piece of the Constitution on the blog. I'm also going to link our state statute in regard to our election law. So you can read through all of those if you want to. Um, and yes, it does say all citizens can vote. But it doesn't disqualify non-citizens from voting. And here's the difference. If I am having a gathering at my house and I say all dogs, all the dogs can come. Everybody can bring their dogs. All the dogs can come. I'm having a pet day. Um, I'm having a birthday party. I don't know. I'm having some event and I say all the dogs can come to the house. Well, what if you have a hamster? What if you have a cat? I didn't say you couldn't bring your hamster. All I said was all the dogs can come. So if you show up with a rabbit, some other type of animal, there's going to be some question as to whether or not that animal can come in. Because I didn't clearly say no cats no rabbits, no pets of any other type. All I said was, all dogs can come. This language leaves it to question when the issue comes up. And we know that that's the case because it's happening in other states. Vermont, California, New York. I think there's another, even one or two, maybe Maryland, Washington, D.C. They're all having issues with non-citizens voting in local elections, school board elections, things like that. So, and those places have similar language, language the same as we do in their constitution and in their statutes. And what's happened is they bring that to court and then depending on the interpretation of the court, if you have a more conservative court, they might look at that and say, well, yes, that means that nobody else can come. But if you have a more liberal court, they could look at that and say, oh, well, you didn't say the rabbits couldn't come, so he should get to come. And that is happening. There have been more liberal courts um, rule on the liberal side of that. So now there's actual court precedents across the nation that non-citizens are allowed to vote. So um, the conservatives had added in to the bill, had created to be part of the bill, this language that non-citizens cannot vote and foreign monies cannot come into our election, um, the initiative petition process, this election process. We don't want to be influenced by foreign governments, foreign political parties, all that type of stuff. Um, and definitely no non-citizens voting. This is a no-brainer, folks. It's just a no-brainer. I don't know any Republican who would have opposed this. It's ridiculous. It's, I, it's, I just have to, keep, I just have to remember. It's so frustrating to me that we have Republicans who are voting with the Democrats. And this is a perfect, actually, this is an ideal vote for you to look at because these are the Republicans who oftentimes, not just this time, and I, I know this to be true. I've studied the votes. I've looked at the votes. I've been looking at the votes for the last couple of years. 
These Republicans who voted against this measure, these are the Republicans who most often do vote and side with the Democrats. I could also probably add one or two more in that this time they either didn't show up to vote and I don't know why. There could be a legitimate reason for that, so I'm not criticizing. I'm not criticizing either Senator Rader or Senator Bean for not voting. Senator Moon was also not there to vote because it was his scheduled time to sleep and nobody woke him up to come vote. So um, I'm not criticizing that, but there are a couple of senators who voted against the amendment who oftentimes do vote with the Democrats, uh, but yet they, on this one at least, they, they voted more conservatively. So um, in, a, in a disgusting uh, <laughs> a lack of, of support for uh, purity in our elections, we had several Republicans cross over and vote with the Democrats to remove that language. So now that extra layer of protection is not included in the bill and the legislative process is not included in the bill. I'm not happy about either of those things, but at least concurrent majority did pass through the Senate. And at least our Freedom Caucus and Senator Moon stood up, did not take the deal. You know, oftentimes this happens. They will negotiate away other issues um, on the backs of one thing. And I don't like it when that happens. Uh, we need to stay strong. We need to stand. We need to hold to our values and our principles. And so I'm thrilled, actually. I'm thrilled. It took a lot of guts. They, they lost a lot in this process. By that time, they'd already lost their committee chairs. They'd already lost their parking spaces. They'd already lost their committee positions. And they still stood and said, no, we're not going to let you have our kids when they gave that bill to Senator Coleman. So I am overall very happy. I'm very happy. I, ha I want to just make it very clear. I'm overall very, very happy, thrilled that we at least have a caucus this year who was willing to stand up and push back against leadership, who was willing to get out in front, who is willing to look like the bad guy, who is willing to take the heat, who is willing to say, no, we won't do that. I am thrilled. I couldn't be more proud. I'm thankful. They're not perfect. I understand. They still need to be held um, accountable for things that they do. So I'm not just a Freedom Caucus, you know, groupie. But I'm here to tell you that the Freedom Caucus plus Mike Moon are the most conservative senators that we have in the Capitol. They are the ones who are more consistently fighting for conservative policy. They're the ones more consistently, most consistently fighting for biblical values, fighting for your freedom, fighting for liberty. And I would never ask them to vote no on this bill that they sacrificed and fought and gave so much for even though it's not perfect. And I say that because the we're not finished yet. Now, if it comes back to the Senate after having gone through the House, we still have to go through all of the House process. We have opportunities for House committee substitutes. We have a, a process, uh, opportunities for amendments on the floor of the House. We have opportunities to improve the bill back to what it was. And um, I'm hopeful and I'm prayerful and I'm asking you to be in prayer, to fast, 
Uh, you know, this is an important thing. Our constitution is, um, it's so vital in protecting it. You know, this year, of course, we have an abortion amendment coming down the pipe. So, um, and it's heinous. It's just heinous. This abort, that's a whole other topic, but they're talking about full term, late term, even possibly partial birth abortion, um, one of these ballot measures even says that like any kind of healthcare people can do abortions up to 24 or 25 weeks and that the doctors have no liability. I mean, I don't even know my, my pro-choice friends, if they knew the truth, they wouldn't support this stuff. So it's really, really imperative. They're also coming after our gun laws and our gun rights. Um, there are all kinds of things happening. So it's imperative that we protect the Constitution, and truthfully, I just believe that it's right, it's good and right for our rural citizens to have a voice, for them to be represented in that process. So I'm asking you, because once this gets to the ballot, no matter what happens, if it, pale, if it fails or if it passes, um, it's just likely that they won't ever deal with it again, probably for another 20 years. So... Um, I'm just asking that right now you start to pray into this bill. It's SJR 74. Um, it is, I don't know who's going to handle it on the house side, but I'll find out. We need to be specifically praying for the house committees, the people who are going to have influence over this bill, the people who are going to, um, have the ability to make amendments, to make changes. We need to pray for the freedom caucus members over on the house side that they would, they would follow suit and be able to stand strong and fight. And they're going to have to, in some ways, actually even maybe fight harder to get those changes made. Uh, we have leadership in the House. John Patterson, who's the majority floor leader, he doesn't, last I heard, he didn't want to have any sort of initiative um, bill come through. And he is the one who determines whether it goes on the House floor or not. So, um we need to be in prayer over all of these things. Now, what I'm here to tell you is that even though it didn't come out of the Senate looking perfect, I serve the God who turns water into wine. I serve the God who heals and delivers. And, you know, there's, I read a verse in Psalm. I am not going to be able to tell you the chapter and verse, but who says that says that God is rules over the nations and, you know, that is still true today. He is in control. He is in control of the things happening in our capital. And he has the ability to move uh, and do miracles. If he can talk through a donkey, he can talk through our rhino Republicans. So I am just asking you to come before the Lord in prayer and with fasting. I'm asking you, there might be occasions where you have to actually stand, where you might need to come to Jefferson City and voice your opinion. You might need to make a phone call or send an email. You might need, you do need to tell your friends. I'm asking you to do that right now. I'm asking you to share this podcast. I'm asking you to um, start getting out of your own comfort zone. Get before the Lord in your secret place. Ask him for the courage. Ask him for uh, the things that you need. Ask him uh Psalm chapter 18, verse 32, I believe, says that he will equip your hands for battle. You remind him of that promise and you ask him to equip your hands for this battle. Ask him to give you the tools that you need. Ask him to bring you the people that you need to talk to 
um, on this issue, the people who will be open-minded, the people who will listen, the people who will get involved. I'm asking you to talk to your pastors. We're talking about a potential abortion amendment in our constitution. And by the way, when you think of that, if abortion ends up in our constitution, how would you feel if you were an elected official and you had to swear an oath to that constitution? We may very well have more problems getting good Christians um, elected if they're not willing to swear an oath on a constitution that includes full-term abortion. So I'm asking you to take up the cause to get in the battle right there in your prayer closet, right there in your church. I'm asking you to make an appointment with your pastor and talk to him about this issue. Share this podcast with him. I'll be happy to talk with him or her. I'm asking you to talk to your Sunday school teachers, your Bible study leaders. I'll be happy to come. I'll be happy to get on the phone. I'll get on a Zoom. I'll do whatever it takes to equip and train and educate your circle of believers so that they can be equipped with the knowledge that they need to get into this fight, um, both in prayer, because I believe, um, I 100% believe the only strategy that's going to work is going to come from the Holy Spirit. So we got to be on our knees. We got to be fasting. We got to be seriously praying and interceding for our constitution. Um, I'm hoping that you'll join me. That's your call to action today. Get into your prayer closet. Get into Psalm chapter 18 and ask him to equip your hands for this battle. And then if you need help, reach out to me. It's my email address is Jody with an I, J-O-D-I at JodyGrace.com. I would love to hear from you. I will come alongside you and I will help you. I will help teach your friends. I will help train your church. I will help do the things that you may not know how to do, but I will bring the information and um, I will equip and, and inspire and train your circle so that they can get involved. We really need to fight. Um, it is not over. The battle is not over. I am declaring victory on behalf of the Holy Spirit today, behalf of the Lord and when we get the victory, he will get all the glory. It will be him. It will be his strategy. It will be by his hand that we win. So that's where I'm standing this morning. I'm thankful. I'm thankful that the bill's moving forward. I'm thankful that we have a team of fighters who are fighting on our behalf. And I am expecting miracles. So I hope that you will get in the lane with me, that you will pray with me, that you will believe with me, that you will be expectant with me. I pray that you will show up on April 13th on a Saturday on the Capitol lawn to pray and worship. Um, I'm actually hosting prayer and worship every month um, in the Capitol this month in March. We've already done it for February, but in March, it'll be March 6th, the first Wednesday at 1130. So if you'd like to come join me in March, I would love to have you. But in April, we're probably going to have a much bigger crowd. It'll be on the Capitol lawn. There's a big push, a big promotional push from this nationwide effort. So um, the event in April will be larger 
and uh, it should be a great time. So I hope you put that on your calendar and I'm gonna hop off here and I'll talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it. I hope you found it beneficial and valuable. I'd really encourage you in the next few days to pick up your Bible and grab the practical tools you need to arise and build. Don't forget to subscribe and check out the blog at jodygrace.com. I'll see you soon.